AFF on Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast is boarding. Step on board for the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. Your captain, Matt Graham, now invites you to sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. G'day and welcome to episode 84 of AFF On Air. It's the 14th of May 2022. Coming up in this episode, how to fly from Australia to North America using frequent flyer points. I'll talk about some of the ways to get there using Qantas and Velocity points. And I'll also chat to Leon Loganathan, a frequent flyer who recently flew to Mexico via the US in Qantas Business and First Class using Qantas points. But first, let's begin with a roundup of the latest Australian airline, travel and loyalty program news from the past fortnight. And firstly, Virgin Australia has announced a surprising new partnership with Qatar Airways that would allow Velocity Frequent Fly members to earn points and status credits, redeem points and receive reciprocal status benefits on the Doha-based airline. The partnership is a real coup for Virgin Australia, although it's raised a few eyebrows because Qatar Airways is also a member of the One World Alliance along with Qantas. Virgin Australia is already a partner of Etihad, another airline based in the Middle East as well. Meanwhile, Virgin Australia's new partnership with United Airlines will launch on the 24th of May in just under two weeks, and I'll have more to say about this new partnership uh, towards the end of the episode. Qantas has ordered 12 Airbus A350-1000s, which will be used for non-stop ultra-long-haul flights from Sydney to London and New York, among other routes including Perth to London, when they arrive from late 2025. We've also now learned a little bit about how the interior of these planes will be configured. We know that there will be six first-class suites at the front of the plane in a 111 configuration, and each suite will have a separate bed, a seat, and a sliding door. At the same time, Qantas has also ordered 20 Airbus A321XLRs, the XLR standing for Extra Long Range, and 20 Airbus A220-300 aircraft, a smaller regional plane, which will eventually replace the aging Boeing 737 and 717 fleets. The Airbus A321XLR has an impressive range of around 8,700 kilometres, which would be enough to operate routes like Brisbane to Tokyo. But it looks like Qantas will be installing the first A321XLRs just with reclining business class seats in a typical 2-2 layout rather than lie flat business seats, indicating that the first uh, of those planes will likely be used on domestic flights. Qantas will resume non-stop flights from Perth to London in just over a week, bringing back the route almost a month ahead of schedule. From the 23rd of May, QF9 and QF10 will resume operating from Melbourne to London via Perth instead of Darwin, as this flight has been doing since it returned in November last year. Qantas still plans to continue flying from Sydney to London via Darwin until the 18th of June, but from the 19th of June, Qantas will switch its QF1 and 2 route, Sydney to London, back to being a Singapore stopover, and it will also upgrade that route from that date, from the Boeing 787 currently being used, back to an A380 with around double the number of seats and first-class service available. Emirates has committed to resuming Airbus A380 flights from Christchurch to Dubai via Sydney from the 1st of December this year. From the same day, Emirates will also resume direct Auckland-Dubai flights. Those flights are currently stopping in Kuala Lumpur. Emirates will even use Airbus A380s with the new premium economy seats on its Christchurch to Sydney tag service, which continues to Dubai. And economy business and first class will also be available. 
Emirates will begin offering premium economy on its two existing daily Sydney to Dubai A380 flights from the 1st of August, and those seats will go on sale on the 1st of June. Sydney is one of Emirates' first destinations to get to experience the new premium economy product, the only other two being London and Paris initially. Rex says that its new frequent flyer program will be up and running by the third quarter of this year in time for the launch of a new interline agreement with Delta Airlines. Once it finally launches, Rex Flyer is set to offer frequent flyer points and access to lounges for tiered frequent flyers in Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, Canberra and Brisbane. Rex Flyer points would likely be redeemable for Rex flights as well as uh, possibly flights on Delta Airlines if the new partnership with Delta takes place as Rex's Deputy Chairman John Sharp has indicated to the media. Rex has been talking already about launching a loyalty program for over a year but has not yet done so and its previous Rex Business Flyer program has suspended new applications also over a year ago. American Express has increased the annual fee on its invitation-only Centurion charge card by $1,500 a year, bringing the new annual fee on this card to a whopping $6,500. Amex has justified the fee increase by promising two new metal card designs to choose from, new wearable wristbands created in partnership with Prada, and a range of enhancements to existing card benefits. Qantas Frequent Flyer is giving 30% off the points required for classic flight rewards to selected Australian regional destinations for travel from the 1st of June until the 30th of November, and this discount is available when booking by tomorrow, the 15th of May 2022. In addition, Qantas has turned over 1,700 flights on 33 regional routes into points planes for the month of August. On eligible routes, including Sydney to Uluru, Sydney to Broken Hill, Perth to Gold Coast, Canberra to Cairns or Melbourne Coffs Harbour, every economy seat during the month of August this year is available to book as a classic flight reward and on the fruits where business class is available, you should also be able to book any business class seat as a classic reward. And the 30% discount also applies to economy seats on those points planes if you book by tomorrow. Qantas Frequent Flyer has extended its offer of fee-free changes and cancellations on domestic classic flight reward bookings for another two months. Qantas had previously ended its fly-flexible policy for domestic bookings on the 30th of April for both paid and points bookings. This increased flexibility is still no longer available on revenue bookings paid for using money or points plus pay, but the option to change or cancel domestic reward bookings without a fee is now available till the 30th of June. Meanwhile, Virgin Australia has now updated its website to match Qantas's ongoing policy of continuing to allow customers to change their bookings without fees into the future if they cannot travel specifically due to having COVID-19 or being legally required to isolate as a close contact. Changes will need to be made by calling the airline or through a travel agent if you've booked through an agency. Jetstar is expanding its presence in Canberra with two new routes to Melbourne and the Gold Coast. Jetstar will fly daily from Canberra to Melbourne from July, becoming the fourth airline after Qantas, Virgin and Rex to serve this route. It will also take over from Qantas Link's existing Canberra to Gold Coast flights from the 16th of September. Jetstar recently began flying from Canberra to Brisbane, which was Jetstar's first ever route out of the nation's capital. Qantas has been criticised for failing to compensate passengers who didn't receive any catering on their flights over the Easter long weekend. 
Many Qantas domestic flights over that long weekend over Easter departed with no or limited food on board, including in business class, where a meal on board is a major advertised benefit. But Qantas has not given any compensation to passengers on affected flights, either in the form of vouchers, a partial refund, or perhaps frequent flyer points. Even Qantas passengers who were flying in business class and didn't receive a meal, who have proactively contacted Qantas, are yet to receive even an apology or an acknowledgement of their complaint, let alone compensation. The European Union will remove the recommendation to mandate the wearing of face masks on planes and in European airports from next Monday. The United States also dropped the mask mandate last month as things get back to normal in other countries around the world. Avianca, a Star Alliance airline based in Colombia, is merging with Gol, a low-cost carrier based in Brazil. A majority stake in South African Airways has been sold to a Japanese private equity firm for just three US dollars. And Qantas is reportedly considering removing the ability for passengers on domestic flights to check in or print boarding passes at airport kiosks in a move designed to encourage more travellers to check in online or via the Qantas app and use a digital boarding pass. Australian Frequent Flyer understands that Qantas will still have kiosks at domestic airport terminals going forward, such as the new ones recently installed in Perth Airport, but they will only be able to print luggage tags. Passengers would need to then check in online, printing their boarding pass at home or storing it on their own electronic device. Passengers who arrive at the airport without having checked in will soon be able to scan a QR code on their own device that would allow them to check in and receive a digital boarding pass. If they have luggage to check in, they'd then be able to scan this uh, barcode on the digital boarding pass at the self-service kiosk to print their luggage tag. Passengers who can't check in online, for example, because they don't have a smartphone or an internet connection or they don't, ha- or they have an international connecting flight, would still be able to queue at a service desk for assistance. But as we know how these things work in practice, they may be waiting for quite a long time. The changes could be rolled out within the next few months. That's what's making news on australianfrequentflyer.com.au this fortnight. You can stay up to date between podcasts by subscribing to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette to get the latest Frequent Flyer news straight to your inbox for free every Monday and Thursday morning. Want to learn how to maximise the value in Frequent Flyer programs? If you're new to the Frequent Flyer Points game, or perhaps you'd like to perfect your travel hacking strategy, you may be interested in the Frequent Flyer training program offered by our sister website, Frequent Flyer Solutions. The Frequent Flyer Solutions training consists of 10 easy-to-follow online courses with topics including credit cards, earning buying and redeeming points, airline status, hotel and supermarket loyalty programs, and how to find cheap flights. If you don't have hours to sift through online forums, the training explains clearly all of the tricks and strategies you need to know to make the most of your frequent flyer points and loyalty programs. For more information, visit frequentflyer.com.au. Leon Loganathan is a frequent flyer based in Darwin, who is a lawyer at Ward Keller and also the host of the Territory Story podcast. Leon has previously been on AFF on air in episodes 19 and number 9, or all the way back before the pandemic. Uh, but he recently travelled to North America on points for work, flying business class over and first class back. So I thought it'd be interesting to have him on the podcast again for a bit of a chat about how he booked the trip, um, what points he used, and uh, what the experience was like. Welcome back to the podcast, Leon. 
Thank you, Matt. It's great to be on, and I can't believe I've been on twice before, so uh, I feel like a frequent flyer podcaster for you. <laughs> it's it's uh, certainly a different topic to what your own podcast is about, but um, I know that you are an avid points collector and in, enjoy uh, traveling overseas using those points. So, I guess, first of all, uh, how did you actually book the trip? Where, where were you going and which points did you use to book? Okay, so I had a, uh, a business trip to make to uh, Monterey in Mexico. And I've never been to Mexico before. And uh, when you're flying from Darwin, you've got to add an, another four hours to actually get to a, a major hub to take a flight um, like that. And and from here, you've got the choice of either going up to Singapore, which is sort of in the wrong direction, uh, or going down to Sydney or Melbourne or even Brisbane and then flying out of there. And so I, I looked south this time. I, because of the pandemic, as, as you know, no one's done any travel. So I'd been accumulating a ton of points. Um, and, and so I had, I had, I think, oh, I don't know, I can't remember, several hundred thousand points anyway in Qantas, amongst other things. And I thought, all right, well, maybe I should deploy some of these points and, and try and fly in comfort because, um, uh, as much as I, work loves me, they don't fly me business class uh, uh, to these type of meetings. Um, so, yeah, so I looked. Uh, of course, I had a chat with you as well, as I usually do when I'm looking at these things. Uh, so I try and see whether um, I'm, my thinking is correct. And there was availability. I think you might have actually pointed that out to me, actually. There, there was availability out of Sydney to Dallas on uh, QF7. Uh, which is a, which is the Dreamliner? Uh, I think they used to be the Airbus pre-pandemic, but it's a Dreamliner. Yeah, it certainly was the Airbus A380 before the pandemic. But Qantas is only using that at the moment on the Sydney to Los Angeles route, and next month they'll they'll deploy it over to London from Sydney. But there's only I think a, a few of those in service back in service now. So that is now a Dreamliner route for the time being. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so we'll, I looked at that uh, to get to Dallas, and then from Dallas to Monterey is uh, it's only about a two-hour flight. And that was on uh, American, and there was a reasonable amount of availability for that as well. And then on the way back, um, to my complete and utter surprise, in fact, it was your surprise too, because I found this one, um, there was a first-class seat um, from LAX to Sydney. And and just so that your listeners know, I, I have no uh, loyalty to any particular airline um, for a variety of reasons one of which is I don't like dysfunctional thinking. Uh, so uh, um, so I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm bronze, uh, you know, the, the lowest of the low on Qantas. Uh, but uh, there was one seat and I thought, well, I've got the points. It's 163,000 points or something from memory um, to, to do that. So I gleefully gla- grabbed that and then uh, made sure that I got from Monterey back to Los Angeles, which I had to do via... Um, Dallas again. Yeah, awesome. So you flew business class over on Qantas, first class back, and then some connecting de- uh, flights on American Airlines um, yeah. using Qantas points. It was 330,800 Qantas points and uh, $766.70 in taxes. I would want to talk in a moment about the trip, but um, you said you had these, you've been accumulating a lot of points quite easily during the pandemic. Mm. How do you normally mm. accumulate your frequent flyer points? Okay, so I've got a, my Amex uh, card, which I use for, and it's the Platinum uh, Charge card, um, which I use uh, for both personal and uh, where required uh, some of my business expenses. And 
look, I didn't fly anywhere for basically two years, Matt. So, you know, <laughs> uh, it wasn't that difficult to accumulate those points uh, through spending, really. And, um, and yeah, so that's how I did it. Okay. Uh, so before you flew, you obviously had to check the entry requirements for the USA and Mexico. Um, was there anything of note? Like, did you have to get any COVID tests or things like that? Yeah, that was a bit scary because uh, I, hadn't, I, had, I was triple vaxxed, um, but I hadn't had COVID. Um, and I was concerned because whether you fly to or through the US, uh, at that time at least, you needed to have a negative COVID test uh, taken within 24 hours of departure. And um, I was, you know, I was concerned that I'd get to me- Mexico and pick up COVID there and then have trouble coming back. And I really didn't want to miss that first class flight coming back because <laughs> so, I didn't think I was going to get it again. Um, uh, and well, some would say luckily other people wouldn't, but um, my wife caught COVID about four weeks before I left, <laughs> left Darwin. And so I subsequently uh, caught it myself. And so, um, and it wasn't that bad, uh, you know, th- probably about three days of feeling ordinary and then I was fine. But I was testing positive for about a week and more, slightly more than a week. And so I was a bit concerned about that. But luckily, uh, just before leaving, I got a COVID test and it was negative. And so it was all good. Um, but they, they only checked it at, at, at Sydney Airport. They didn't check it in Dallas, which I thought was a bit odd. Oh, okay, I guess maybe when they they assume that the airline would check this before you get on the plane. Mm. Yeah, and then and in Mexico, was there any particular requirements to get in there? Not at all. Nothing. nothing. Okay. So, how was the flight over in Qantas business class from Sydney to Dallas? That's a loaded question. Uh, look, it it. I mean, I, I like I like Qantas. Of course, it's our national airline. Um, I've had the privilege of flying a lot of other airlines. Uh, Cathay comes to mind. ANA. Um, Singapore Airlines, Emirates, Etihad, uh, in in business and in first. Uh, look, I think the Qantas hard product is very good. Um, I think the soft product, in terms of um, the the flight, uh, the service on the flight, is is below par for what you'd expect for an airline that ranks very highly. Um, you know, in terms of uh, in, in comparison to other airlines, particularly in the, for the Asia-Pacific region. It's just uh, not quite, a, you know, I'm not asking to be, it's just to be, you know, weighted on hand and foot at, by any stretch, but I don't know, I just feel that, um, at least for that flight, it, it it could have been better. Do you say that, like, because of the food or, like, the service? Oh, look, the food was okay. I mean, it all came out in one tray, which is, I think, the pre, the post-COVID sort of way of doing things um, in, in business at least. Um, the, the, the bed was eminently comfortable. Um, the flight over was comfortable, no complaints at all. Just the, the, the interaction between the flight attendants, I think, is just not quite as good as it, I feel our national carrier should be. But, but that's my personal opinion. Okay. And then coming back to Australia, um, one of the requirements, so I don't know if you came back before they, before or after they dropped the requirement for a, a COVID test. Did you need to get a test to come back? No, I didn't, thankfully. Okay. Uh, but I did to get into the US. So, oh, so yeah, you needed it anyway yes. for that, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
And then um, you mentioned to me just before our chat that you had some trouble with the digital passenger declaration that everyone needs to fill in uh, to come back into Australia. What, uh, what happened there with the with the DPD? It's just a national embarrassment, to be honest with you. That there's an app that you can use, and it is dysfunctional to say the least. And if you don't believe me, or if, I, if your listeners are questioned that, go go onto the Apple website and read the reviews for the app. It's it's terrible, and I can't believe that our government, with all its resources, uh, and for such an important um, thing like that, that is that compulsory, that they can't get the app right. So um, it's just it, it 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 drops out. It you know it doesn't work properly. I, I eventually managed to get my information in there, but I wasn't sure whether it worked, and I just had the um, I don't know the, the the presence of mind to take a screenshot of the the last screen uh and when i got to los angeles to to catch my flight back uh, they asked me for that documentation and i didn't have it um you know a hard copy of it and i was going to be a i could see a problem and then i suddenly remembered that i'd taken a screenshot of the last screen and i said to them i said look your app is hopeless uh or the that app at least Uh, and i showed them the screenshot and they were happy with that so that's a tip for anybody that's having problems. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Maybe it's easier if you try and do it on the website, like on a, on a desktop computer, to filling out the DPD. Possibly. Possibly but yeah. it, even, even yeah, I mean, look, it, it doesn't interact with the desktop very well because the desktop, you, you know, if you use a password and you save it, uh, it, it doesn't translate to the app. It's, yeah, it's just downright diabolical, Matt. I know that there's been a few complaints about that, like about the digital passenger declaration being difficult to use or not working, um, which which is a shame when, as you say, it's a compulsory requirement for anyone coming into Australia to fill this out. And actually, they're going to be expanding this in a few months to replace the the incoming passenger card, like the the yellow card that you have to fill out on the flight. So all those questions are going to be put onto the DPD. So hopefully they'll um, get around to fixing it by then. But um, Anyway, so you, you managed to get on the plane. How was it um, flying out of uh, out of Monterey? Uh, Monterey, right. So the uh, it's interesting. It's a, it's a nice little airport. Monterey is, I think, it's the third biggest city in Mexico. It's about two hours driving time to the border uh, of the U.S. border. Uh, look, the airport was was fine. Uh, I was yeah, I was pleasantly surprised to, to know that there was uh, to to learn that there was a Centu- American Express Centurion lounge there. So I used my Amex uh, Platinum charge card, which gets you into that lounge. And so even more surprised if, and I, I don't think I've ever, um, maybe I have been, I think possibly I went to one in Hong Kong once. But uh, it was a very, very nice lounge. Um, it was, um, it had a, very, a full bar, not that I used that uh, very much, but I noticed it had lots of wine bottles and expensive looking drinks. Um and table service so you know it was like going to a restaurant and uh, i thought that, that was an yeah it was interesting i have never had that experience at a at a at an american express lounge before oh there you go the the centurion lounge in monterey is is, is a is, is a good lounge there you go um yeah. and then uh coming back from los angeles to sydney so that that was in Qantas. um was there a lounge available in in los angeles for you to use Ah uh, yes, uh, I, I've been. I've had the privilege of flying. Um, actually, I haven't flown first class 
uh, from Los Angeles on Qantas, but I did on Cathay. So I did use the Qantas First Class Lounge once before, and it's a really good lounge. It's not quite as good as the Sydney uh, First Class Lounge, but it's it's you know quite comprehensive, and you know if it, it's had a much better feel than the the One World Lounge. But unfortunately, it was closed, uh, as was the American Express uh, Lounge. In, in LAX as well. So those two lounges were closed. So I used the One World Lounge, which was, which was a nice lounge, but it's very, very busy and, you know, not, not quite of the same standard as the Qantas First Class Lounge. And so Qantas has only brought back first class service at the end of March. You travelled just a, a couple of weeks ago. So it's a new thing that they've brought back into service. How did you find the flight coming back to Sydney in, in their first class product on the A380? Okay, so I... I've had the privilege of flying Qantas first class once before. I flew Sydney to London via Dubai pre-COVID. I think it was back in 2015, 16, somewhere around there. Um, look, uh, it's a nice – I like the uh, the refreshed um, cabin. They've changed the colors from brown to gray, I think. Um, it's, it's a cooler sort of uh, feel. Uh, very, very comfortable seat, very um, – you know, even though it's you don't close the doors or anything like you do with Emirates, it's still quite private. I found, it, I think there's 15 first class seats on the A380, and if I'm not mistaken, Matt, it was full. So I don't know what the other people were doing, uh, whether they were using points or what. I did have a quick check of the cost of the ticket. Um, if you bought that ticket one way uh, with dollars. Uh, uh, with uh, not uh, like a, as in you bought it a, a long way out, you'd pay about ten ten thousand Australian dollars one way. Uh, if you bought that ticket um, with a few days out, like you know, um, basically, if you wanted to fly it the next day or the day after, it was thirteen thousand US dollars. It's a very very expensive way to fly. <laughs> so the only way I was ever going to do that was with points. It's it's an interesting phenomenon because like actually this is something that we've seen like over the last few months. Airlines are filling their premium cabins, and it's it's interesting because um, in the like after the last crisis that hit the aviation industry, which is the GFC, like businesses were cutting back on their spend. People didn't have as much uh, disposable income. They were they were worried about their savings and things. And so people were just not booking premium tickets. Um, the, the airlines were filling their economy cabins, but like people just stopped booking business in first class. And actually a lot of airlines um, removed their first class cabins as a result of this. But now after this crisis, we're seeing the exact opposite thing. Like a lot of long haul flights are going out 100% full in first class and business class. And then economy might be half empty and this is certainly something that consistently we've seen um on many airlines but including on the a380 flights on the sydney to los angeles route um in recent times so are are people paying to fly this or what's going on question i I think there 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 are a few i mean i obviously don't know how the people on your flight um uh, bought the tickets but some some people would have had a lot of savings from like not traveling during covid and they've got money that they're willing to spend to you know after not traveling for such a long time to actually enjoy the trip, uh, I suspect quite a few of them would probably have been points upgrades. I know, like, certainly upgrades on Qantas oh, yes. are in, in high demand, though. So probably probably a lot of them would be points upgrades. Um, there's, you know, quite a large business cabin on the A380, and I imagine quite a few of those people would have had points that they were, they were willing to spend. And Qantas is quite happy to take the points and fill the seats. <laughs> so <laughs> probably a mixture yeah. of both. Right, right. I mean, in terms of business and first, the, the hard product, I wouldn't say 
I couldn't put my hand on my heart and say there was a, a massive difference. Certainly not the difference that would justify the difference in cost of a business class versus a first class ticket. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the service, it was better. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. and how was the food and things like that? And was there champagne? You know? Oh, yeah, look, there was all of that. And look, uh, you may recall, I'm not much of a, of a drinker. So my sister says to me, it's all wasted on me. But uh, I did have some of the champagne. I had uh, some of the wine. And uh, look, it's all, it's, it was it was okay. It wasn't, um, I can't say it was anything to write home about, but it wasn't bad. It was, you know, it was okay. It was, it was okay. Again, the uh, flight attendant, the, the, the sort of, because I've got, because I can compare it to other products, products that I've used, I'm probably sounding a bit harsher than I, than I, you know, than some people might think I should be, but uh, I feel that you know they spend a lot of time promoting the airline. You feel you know that Qantas is, is synonymous with Australia. I just feel that a service could 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 step up a level or two um, to compete with the likes of Singapore Airlines and others. It's kind of a little bit surprising to me, actually, that you say that because my, my personal experience with Qantas has been like, I know certainly they've had issues on the ground lately, but usually when you get in the air, the service is quite good once once you're actually right. flying with them. So it's, I don't know, it's a little bit of a shame to hear that, but I mean, there's probably a few listeners that, that will agree as well. I mean, certainly it's better than being at the back of the bus though, right? <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I mean, Jetstar, for example, yes. <laughs> and you had an interesting flight as well because you didn't actually land in Sydney. No. Uh, or at least not initially. No. Uh, again, had a really good sleep on the on the plane, and that's that's what makes, you know, the, the, the points worth accumulating because being able to sleep on a long haul like that very comfortably is, is, is great. And I woke up probably about a few, a couple of hours out of uh, Sydney, and I noticed when I looked at the the map um, of the flight, it it was doing a dog leg to Brisbane, but there was no announcement at that point. And I thought, oh, maybe there's something wrong with this map, and it's you know it's not functioning properly. A few minutes later, the captain came on and said, look, they're diverting the the plane to Brisbane because there was fog in Sydney, and the plane uh, they didn't have enough fuel because of the load. Um, to circle, uh, and I then I then I did recall that when I was getting when I was checking in 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 LAX, I mean, the, I just there was a sea of people getting on that plane. It was it was chockers. Um, so yeah, so we diverted to Brisbane, which was unfortunate because um, uh, that diversion cost me the uh, <laughs> my connecting flight to Melbourne, which was on Virgin, uh, unfortunately. So. Uh, <laughs> Yes, I um, I missed that flight and that ticket was lost. Yeah. So what happened? You landed in Brisbane. They refilled and you got, you got going, or how did that work? Yes. Yeah. It was we stayed on the on the plane. Uh, it was about an hour and a half hour diversion. They refueled and then took off and we landed. And you know, Matt. So you know, when I say that service, like we, we diverted to Brisbane, there was no service while we were on the ground. Okay, maybe there's a reason for that. Um, but then when we took off for that hour and 20 minute flight from Brisbane to Sydney, there was nothing, you know, and you're sitting in first class and if you'd paid $10,000 for that ticket, you just go, well, why, you know, is it that difficult if you run out of food or drink, you know, like why would you not do something small? But maybe my expectation levels are too high, man. And of course, so you booked that on points from Sydney to Monterey using using Qantas, but you also needed to get from Darwin to Sydney, and you booked that on Virgin. 
And you told me that just uh, from those um, flights from Darwin to Sydney, you just about qualified for velocity gold status. Yes, uh, I you know, and I don't chase status anymore. I used to at one stage because I thought it was something to aspire to. I've I've come to learn that it doesn't bother me too much. I'd rather focus on acquiring points and and using that to fly business because then you get the same benefits that you do with status. But anyway, um, yeah. So I was really surprised, Matt, because it's about a thousand dollars generally one way on Qantas from Darwin to Sydney or Melbourne. Is that in business or economy? In business, okay, it's one way. In business, a thousand, a thousand dollars Australian, so it's two thousand returned. Uh, you know, and I haven't looked at it for a while, so maybe it's changed. So if I, if I've got that wrong, forgive me. Um, but I was really surprised that Virgin was about five hundred one way, and I had uh, some travel bank dollars from a flight that I didn't take uh, during COVID. Uh, so I thought, oh, I might as well just use those those dollars and fly business for five hundred bucks each way. So yes, yeah, so I booked it, um, and and they changed my F- Sydney flight. They cancelled it, and they rerouted me through Melbourne. So I picked up one fifty status credits to Melbourne, eighty from Melbourne to Sydney, and then again one fifty uh, from um, Melbourne back to Darwin. So th- that's because of the double status credit run, uh, status credit thing, is it? Yeah, they're they're doing. Um, it's not exactly double status credits, but it's uh, bonus status credits until the end of okay. June. Um, it's it works out to be I think a hundred percent bonus status credits in economy and about forty five percent bonus in business. But either way, like when you when you fly Virgin at the moment, you're getting quite a generous set of status credits. Yeah, right. So uh, yeah, so I got all those, and um, to be honest with you, um, it's great to be able to use the lounge. But with the American Express uh, Platinum Charge Card, you can use the lounge anyway. So I don't, you know, I'm not exactly sure what this this status is going to do for me. Yeah, I mean, Velocity Gold status, if you're flying with Virgin, you can use Fly Ahead um, if you're on the right fare type. And um, right. can, I don't know, there's a, there's a few other benefits that maybe you don't get with the with the American Express card. But as you say, like, and this is an interesting discussion, maybe for another time, like if you're regularly flying in business class on points, um, the mm. benefits of status are quite minimal because a lot of the same benefits that you would get through status, you get anyway through the, your business class ticket. Um, and if right. you've got the American Express card for Virgin Lounge access and various other benefits, then the benefits kind of marginal anyway you were taking the flights and you know it was it was quite a quite a good deal for business class i would say from darwin to sydney and back for about a thousand dollars on virgin um did you enjoy the flights with virgin i did i I was surprised um in fact i'll tell you a little funny story (laughs) um so on the way over from darwin to 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 melbourne the uh, there was an announcement made at the airport a virgin announcement and they said look because of staff shortages or something i can't remember exactly what the reason was there's no catering on this flight Okay. Uh, so um, we're just letting you know up front uh, to give you an opportunity to go to a restaurant and get some food because there's you know there's no catering. And I hadn't had lunch, and it was an afternoon flight. And I thought, oh man, I better quickly go and grab something. So I, I went to, uh, I went and grabbed a burger, and uh, I wolfed it down in like ten minutes because the plane was leaving. And then I got on the flight and reached cruising altitude, and the guy comes around and says, "Lamb, what would you like to eat?" And I said, what do you mean? I thought there was no catering. And he goes, yeah, there's no catering for economy. (laughs) 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 So the poor people in economy are smelling all this food from business business class and probably wondering what's going on. So I I don't know what happened there, but that was a bit odd. That's weird. What did they serve you on on board? 
Um, I can't rem- remember, but it was a, it was quite delicious. And I also remember that even from Melbourne to Sydney, that short leg, there was dinner served. Uh, and contrast that, Matt, with uh, American Airlines from Dallas to, to Los Angeles, which is about a three and a half hour flight. For that entire period in business class, you're getting peanuts and alcohol. That's it. Literally peanuts. Literally peanuts and alcohol. Yeah. You know, and you just go, wow, what a huge difference there is between Australian domestic and, and American domestic. Absolutely. Well, Leon, it's good that you can actually be traveling again back over to the US and to other places. Um, and thanks for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Well, it's always a little bit tricky to get to the USA or Canada using points, especially if you want to fly in a premium cabin and especially, especially if you want to fly during school holidays. If you're lucky enough to find award availability on Qantas, you can, of course, redeem Qantas points to fly to Los Angeles, Dallas, Fort Worth or Vancouver on that airline, like Leon did recently. Admittedly, though, availability can be hard to find on Qantas. If you're flexible enough, you can often find seats at least in premium economy, and sometimes you can find business or first-class seats if, if you're really flexible and look hard enough. Um, and if, if you have gold or platinum status, though, this does help. If you're gold or platinum or platinum one with Qantas, you do get a head start on any business and first-class seats that Qantas releases on its long-haul flights when the initial release takes place around 353 days before departure. Silver Qantas frequent flyer members typically get access to any seats that are still available around 327 days before departure, and then anyone else can book whatever's left around 297 days out. So 297 days from today, just if your interest would be the 6th of March 2023. Now that's, that's how it is with Qantas, but to wrap up this episode, I also want to talk about a few of the other options because you can't always find availability on Qantas, or perhaps you don't have Qantas points. Now, if you do have Qantas points, you can use those points, of course, also to fly with Qantas partner airlines. And the most obvious one of those would be American Airlines, although American doesn't release much premium cabin availability generally on its Sydney to Los Angeles route. And this current this flight's currently suspended anyway. It's not actually running at the moment. Another more left-field Qantas partner is Fiji Airways. You can sometimes find availability in business class on Fiji Airways from Melbourne, Brisbane, or Sydney to Nandi, with a connecting flight onwards to Los Angeles or San Francisco. And of course, uh, if you would like a stopover in Fiji, that's also a possibility and uh, quite an attractive option, actually. If you can get uh, a seat on the Fiji Airways A350, it's a very good product with lifelight business class seats and a one-to-one layout. And another advantage of going with Fiji Airways is that there are no carrier charges, so the co-payment, the taxes and charges you need to pay is quite low. Um, Fiji Airways also uses A330s on some of its flights um, to Australia and to the US, um, so you've you got to ch- um, look carefully whether it's an A350 or an A330. If it's an A330, that's still a, a reasonably good business product, but it's an angled flat um, business class seat in a 222 layout, uh, similar to what Singapore Airlines used to have on its regional um, wide-body aircraft. So it's still still a reasonably good product, but not quite as good as the A350. An even more left field option, if you have Qantas points, is to fly Qantas to Auckland and then Air Tahiti Nui from Auckland to Los Angeles via Papieti. If you go with this option, the Air Tahiti Nui flights even book onto the onto a QF flight number. Um, they're Qantas marketed flights, even when you book as a classic reward, meaning that if you're in points club, you can actually get status credits on those flights as well. 
You can sometimes find up to two business class seats from Auckland to Papieti on Etahiti Nui using Qantas points, although never more than that. Um, business class availability from Papieti onwards to Los Angeles is usually a bit trickier, but you can sometimes find availability. Etahiti Nui flies a 787 Dreamliner on that route, uh, on its routes to Auckland and Los Angeles, with life flight business class seats. And failing that, if you only have Qantas points available, you could also look at going via Asia, for example, with Japan Airlines via Tokyo, although be aware that as long as Japan remains closed, it's not possible to transit between Haneda and Narita airports. Uh, Otherwise, you could look at going, for example, via the Middle East with Emirates or Qatar Airways. In the before times, you know, um, BC before COVID, you could also sometimes find Qantas or LATAM availability to Santiago from Sydney or Auckland or Melbourne with a connecting flight to, for example, New York or Miami on American Airlines or LATAM, or of course to elsewhere in South America, depending on where you want to end up. Um, Qantas, though, is not currently flying to Santiago. It does have tickets on sale from Sydney to Santiago from the end of October, but um, there's no award availability really at the moment, and it's not 100% clear whether those flights will actually go ahead. They're just scheduled at the moment. Um, Latam Airlines is now flying, like I discussed um, on the episode two weeks ago with Gus, um, between Sydney and uh, Santiago again, although award availability using Qantas points is currently very limited. So um, that's probably not such a good option at this point in time. Hopefully things will improve, though, uh, for, for options to South America. If you have velocity frequent flyer points, the options are a bit different. Currently, you can use velocity points to book Delta flights from Sydney to Los Angeles. Delta offers three cabin classes, economy, premium and business. They call their premium economy premium select and business class they refer to as Delta One. Um, and they fly on the Sydney to Los Angeles route. In recent times, generally has uh, generally Delta has not been making many award seats available to partner airlines on its route to Sydney. Um, and what has been available has pretty much just been an economy. But in the last week or so, a few people have actually managed to find business class availability uh, through Velocity, using Velocity points for travel over the coming months, um, flying business class on Delta. So it would pay to have a look at the Velocity website if this is of interest. Um, And you'd need to get in quick because Delta will only be a partner of Virgin Australia until about the 12th of June. um, And the partnership is ending after that. So you can still use Velocity Points to fly on Delta after the 12th of June. But the 12th of June is the last date you'll be able to book a seat, a new seat using Velocity Points. Because as we know, Virgin Australia is um, replacing Delta with a new US partner in United Airlines. And that new partnership will launch on the 24th of May. I just want to talk a little bit about this briefly because um, this is a new partnership and we've just found out the details about how the partnership will work just in the last few days. Now, for some background, United currently flies from Sydney to Los Angeles and Sydney to uh, San Francisco. Before COVID, it did have three other Australian routes as well, and it will shortly be bringing back Melbourne to Los Angeles flights. And hopefully around the end of the year, uh, United will be back flying Melbourne to San Francisco and Sydney to Houston as well. Now, it's not yet known how many Velocity points you'll need to book a reward seat on United, and we also don't know yet whether there'll be much availability on United for anything other than economy class. At the moment, I can tell you that United's basically only releasing economy award seats to partners on its uh, Sydney to 
Los Angeles and San Francisco flights. Um, I haven't really seen any business class or even premium economy uh, award availability on United to Australia recently. Um, so if this is going to be con- continue to be the case after the Velocity Partnership launches, it's going to be a bit disappointing. But we'll see. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll find out more about redemptions when the partnership does launch on the twenty fourth of May. In terms of earning Velocity points and status credits, the earn rates for United flights have now been published on the Velocity website. Uh, The earn rate will depend whether you're booked on a United flight number or a Virgin Australia flight number. Virgin will be code-sharing on United's flights to Australia. And you'll be able to earn status credits on United as well, although unfortunately the same is not true in the opposite direction. So United Mileage Plus members will be able to earn award miles on Virgin Australia, but not premier qualifying points or premier qualifying flights, which are needed to earn status on United. In terms of status benefits, if you have Velocity Silver status, you'll get 50% bonus points when flying on United, but that's pretty much the only benefit. For Velocity Gold and Platinum members, um, there'll be also bonus points, but at a higher rate. You'll be able to get up to one additional checked bag, up to 23 kilograms, priority check-in, priority boarding, priority baggage, and priority security where available. And there will also be access to United-operated lounges, but there's a bit of a catch here. Unfortunately, Virgin's lounge access agreement with United is uh, only covering if you have a same-day international ticket, so you can't just use the lounge flying in the US on a domestic flight on United, uh, which is the same as is currently the case with uh, with the Delta partnership. But also, it, because it only applies to United-owned and operated lounges, um, United doesn't actually operate any of its own lounges in Australia, and therefore, if you're flying out of Australia on United and you have velocity status, there's actually no lounge access available at this point in time in in either Sydney or Melbourne. Um, United and Star Alliance frequent flyers normally have access to either the Singapore Airlines or the Air New Zealand lounges in Sydney or Melbourne, but because these are third-party lounges, Velocity doesn't have access to them. Hopefully, this situation will only be temporary. I did contact Virgin Australia to ask about this, but haven't had a response yet. But uh, my understanding is that Virgin might be working on something in the background to try and arrange some sort of alternative lounge access arrangement um, for Gold and Platinum members flying on United. But watch this space. Virgin also does partner on Air Canada, but that's not quite a full partnership because Velocity Gold and Platinum members don't get any tier benefits whatsoever when flying on Air Canada. You can, however, earn and redeem Velocity points on Air Canada flights, including from Sydney, Brisbane and Auckland to Vancouver. One thing to look out for, though, if you have a Velocity reward seat booking on Air Canada and there's a schedule change... You'll be asked to accept the change by Velocity, and then Virgin Australia will reissue your ticket. Unfortunately, when this happens, the Virgin Australia and Air Canada PNR seem to become desynchronized, and you will no longer be able to view the booking on the Air Canada website. And uh, I now I don't fully understand what's going on here, but this happened uh, on one of my upcoming bookings with Air Canada, which I booked using Velocity points. Now, after Virgin reissued the ticket, Air Canada, I couldn't I couldn't view the ticket anymore with Air Canada, and Air Canada basically told me that as far as they were concerned, I no longer had a valid ticket. So my seat wasn't confirmed, and I if I turned up at the airport with the ticket in this situation, they probably wouldn't let me fly. Now, I'm not, I haven't taken the trip yet, so I'm not sure um, what would happen there, and I think this has now been resolved um, with this particular ticket, but there does seem to be a pattern here with um, Air Canada rewards booked using velocity points where there's a schedule change, and this has been now well documented on AFF, there's quite a long th- uh, thread about this. 
And unfortunately, neither Virgin nor Canada seem to have any interest in fixing it. If, you, if you're in this situation, if you call Velocity, they just say everything's fine. And Air Canada says, no, everything's not fine. You need to contact Velocity and get them to fix it. But Velocity doesn't know what to do. So, um, yeah, beware if you are using Velocity points to fly Air Canada that this is something that can happen. Other than that, Virgin also partners with Hawaiian Airlines, which I spoke about on a few recent episodes of this podcast, um, two and three episodes ago. Um, So you go back and have a listen to that if you're interested. Um, And if you don't mind going the long way, you can also redeem velocity points to fly with Singapore Airlines via Singapore. Of course, if you have credit card points with a program like American Express Membership Rewards, you might also be able to transfer your points to another program other than Qantas or Velocity Frequent Flyer. But for most Australians, those are really your main options to get to North America from Australia. And that's all for episode 84 of AFF On Air. Thanks again to my guest, Leon, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about anything discussed in today's episode, check out the episode notes. Here you'll also find a link to the AFF On Air discussion thread on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum, where you're welcome to discuss the podcast or ask me a question to be answered in a future episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you take just a minute to review AFF On Air on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform to receive every episode as soon as it's released. I'm Matt Graham, and I'll be back next fortnight with more news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. And until then, safe travels. Listener.